If you have your Bibles handy, won't you turn with me to Proverbs 31, please? Proverbs 31. Uh, it is such a joy to be back with you all. I can't tell you how happy I am to be here again. I'm back. We were gone for a little bit for our anniversary, but and then for her brother Bailey's brother's wedding, and we got him married yesterday. It was a beautiful occasion. And then I was very happy to say that we were able to make it here completely in one piece. We, uh, we ended up driving all the way to Memphis last night, stayed there, and then woke up early this morning to make the rest of the trip. And I was really afraid that I was going to be like here at 9.15, and you guys are going to have to start singing a lot of songs, and then my short sermon was going to have to be a little even shorter, and we'll see how it goes. But I am very thankful to be back. I know Bailey is too. This morning, what I want to talk about is a sermon that I have really enjoyed working on. I wrote this one a little while ago. I actually preached it on a Friday, so some of you may have heard it. But Jacob had challenged me with this sermon to do something a little bit out of my comfort zone. And when I went through this sermon, I had to do something different than what I normally did. I had to ask other people for what they knew and add that to my own sermon. I talked to my wife. I talked to my mother, my mother-in-law. And I learned a lot about what Proverbs 31 meant to them. And I started to look at that, and I added in some thoughts about what it should mean to young men as well, and what it should mean to husbands and fathers. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to study about the virtuous woman. We're going to start our reading in verse 10, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands to hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised." Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. This passage is written for our benefit as Christians. But we can easily look at this passage and think, well, that's a bit outdated. Those are all stereotypes that really don't fit in today's modern age. What I want to do today is pull out from this passage different themes that still work with us today, that still fit our society as it is growing and changing. You see, this passage gives us all expectations to have. For women, it gives them expectations of what to meet in a, uh, a God-like manner. For men, it gives us expectations of what to seek after. 
what to encourage our wives, our daughters, our sisters to be like. And it helps us to understand how we can help them to be more like that. The virtuous woman helps to teach all of us who read through this passage what expectations that we should meet if we're trying to live to please God. In today's society, when it comes to living like this passage details, it's not always easy. Today's society of women is very different than the biblical understanding of women. In today's world, it's almost opposite from what we read in Proverbs 31. It's more about self. How can I promote the way I look to others? How can I appear to the world to make myself more likable? And for men, we're often taught that just go after the prettiest girl you can find. It doesn't matter how she is or how she acts, but as long as she is pleasing to the way she, you, to, as long as she is pleasing to see, then it's fine. This passage teaches us more than just that about being a virtuous woman or seeking after a virtuous woman. And because of that, I I really want us to understand that as we go throughout this passage. I want us to understand why this appeal of this expectation is just as important today as it was when it was written. I want us to see the important aspects that come with the virtuous woman. How she carries herself, how she acts, how she lives, how others view her. And I want us to all be able to learn from it. The very first thing that we can understand about the virtuous woman is that the virtuous woman is known by her works. When we look through the passage, many of the statements discuss the work that the virtuous woman does. Look with me, please, in verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant and brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her households and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Down in verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. This passage shows all the different type of work that the virtuous woman does throughout the city. She's profitable. She's known by her works. She's hardworking. She's not known because she dresses scantily or because she's out there trying to get as much attention as possible, but because she's working hard for her family and for herself. The virtuous woman works hard whenever she can. We see that in verse 13, or verse 15, pardon me, when it talks about how she's working late at night with candles. The expectation here is that there's nothing going to stop her from getting whatever work is before her done. She sees a goal and she meets that goal. And while reading this passage, I really couldn't help but think about my own mom. When I was growing up, her routine was very organized and very busy, at least it seemed that way to myself. She would wake me up for school, at least wake me up at 6 and then make sure I was ready to be going to school about 6.50 so I wasn't going to be late. She would make my lunch, and then while we were out at school, all of us kids, she would take care of the house. She would do whatever needed to be done. She would go run the errands. On top of that, she would do stuff with the PTSA. She would do anything that she could to keep herself active and work. She wanted to be profitable for the household and give us children a good example to look up to. She often worked so hard that at night when we would all sit down and watch TV or a movie, she'd be asleep on the couch at the end of the night because of how tired she was. 
And growing up, I often took that for granted. But now that I look back on it, I understood what she was doing. She was working hard so that we could understand what it's like to work hard. The virtuous woman always has something to do. And we can understand this from verse 27, where it says she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Nowadays, there are so many ways to get distracted or find yourself carrying on without getting much work done. And what we see in this passage is that the virtuous woman doesn't allow that to stop her from getting what she needs to be getting done, done. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. I think that's something very important that we all can learn from. That in today's world, when there's so many distractions around us, we have to be able to remain focused on our goals and get them done. That's not just an aspect for the virtuous woman, but for all of us. And not only is this virtuous woman hardworking, but the work she does profits her entire household. Look with me, if you will, at verses 16 and 18. In verse 16, we see that she understands the value of land. Not only does she understand the value of the land, she goes out and buys a field for a vineyard to profit her household. She's able to grow her household by investing in different ventures. In verse 18, her merchandise, the clothes that she weaves, is profitable. And again, it brings aid to her household. It helps her family, and it helps her. There's a profit that comes from the virtuous woman, a profit that benefits her, her husband, her children, and in this passage, her servants and her workers. And the virtuous woman is hardworking so that her household is looked after. But this can be discouraging in today's world. In today's society, the focus on work or what women should be doing is more so pushing back against the stereotypes of archaic ages and time. They're told to do whatever you can to benefit yourself, to push yourself up. And it's hard to remain dedicated to working, with your, or to working there and helping out and providing with that selfless mindset that this virtuous woman has because everything around the world is telling us to work for ourselves. Work because you deserve the reward. Work because you shouldn't have to depend on a man to help you out. Work for yourself. Today's world looks at these views or these roles as archaic or old. But I think these roles really surpass everything because being profitable or known by your works surpasses any type of stereotype, surpasses any type of archaic role. Not only is this discouraging because of the influences of everything around us today, but it's discouraging because sometimes there's not enough gratitude for the virtuous women in our lives. Again, thinking back to my mother, I can't really think of times when I thanked her as a kid growing up for all that she did. Yes, I would thank her in the morning when I was going off, but I, I don't really know how much I meant it back then. I was really tired, really half asleep, and I was just mumbling on the way out. There's not enough gratitude in my eyes when we see stuff like this being done. There's not enough thanks or praise that we read about in this passage for the virtuous woman. And I think we all can work on that. We all can work on encouraging our wives, our sisters, our daughters about being this virtuous woman, about being and meeting these goals. The hard work of a virtuous woman is discouraging because when it comes to the amount of work that is done and the amount of gratitude received for it, there's a huge separation between the two. 
And we can work on that. In verses 28 and 31, we can see that there is a reward for being that virtuous woman. In verse 28, it says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. We can praise those women in our lives who are striving to be this virtuous woman. And not only can we do it, but if she's known by her works, everyone else will know her because of how virtuous she is, how hardworking and diligent she is for her household, how caring she is for her household. The praise that these women should receive should come from everyone, from the husbands, the children, those around her who see the hard work that she does for her family, because it's deserved and it's right there for her. A virtuous woman is known by her works, and she's blessed for them as well. Secondly, a virtuous woman is caring and selfless. Look with me, if you will, at verses 15, please, or starting in verse 15. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Down in verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household because all her household are clothed in scarlet. In verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. All the actions that we see the virtuous woman do are geared towards someone else. She's caring and selfless for her family and for the people who work for her. She opens her hand to the poor, to the needy, and gives out of her own to help them out. She teaches with wisdom and kindness, passing on what she has learned to others. The virtuous woman gives us an in-depth understanding of what it means to be caring and selfless. In verses 15, through 21, or 15 and 21, we see, like I said, that she provides for her household. She makes sure that her family is taken care of. And the point that I think sticks out in this passage is verse 21. She's not afraid of the snow because her family is properly clothed. Again, I have to go back to mothers. My mom would always give me a jacket, no matter how cold I thought it was compared to how cold she thought it was. It could be, to me, it could feel like 45 degrees out and I'd be out in shorts and a t-shirt. And my mom would be there with a heavy jacket and say, Zach, you have to wear this, otherwise you can't go outside. And I'd grumble. But she was looking out for her children because she wanted to make sure we wouldn't get sick. And that's what the virtuous woman does. They look out for their children. And this doesn't only go towards family, however. In verse 15, it talks about the virtuous woman giving portions to her maidens. And which we can understand that as just anyone that works under the virtuous woman or, or is under her care in that household. Anytime I had friends over or people over, this passage extended to my mother. Anyone who was in her household would be cared after as if they were her own children. She'd give them food, drink. She'd ask them if they needed anything. And there was that care that was extended to them. The virtuous woman cares for all who enter her household. And that care is something so that others can feel comforted and love. And we all can understand that as a quality to be desired. Not only does the caring and selfless apply to her household, but it means she is taking care of the poor and needy. The, the imagery used in verse 20 is wonderful to me. She opens her hand to the poor. 
Instead of clenching on to what her works have gotten her, she is willing to give it out to anyone who needs. Instead of clenching her fist on that profit she has made, she sees it as just a way to help others, to care for others. And not only is she not clenching on to what she has, but she is reaching out her hands to the needy. She's seeking that opportunity to help. She's not waiting for it to come to her, but she is giving out that comfort or help. And we can all learn from that, to be that generous and kind and selfless that the virtuous woman shows. In verse 26, we can also see that the virtuous woman is a willing teacher of kindness. She's trying to spread that same care and selflessness to all that she meets. I was always taught manners as a kid, and I know I keep going back to my mother, but that's what I knew. That's what I grew up with. And my mom was always there to tell me, say please, say thank you, no ma'am, yes sir, to show respect to those around me because they deserved it. She taught me that kindness that she showed others, and it stuck with me to today. It's helped me. And I can see the same in Bailey and in Bailey's mother. They're caring, they're selfless, they want to teach others how to be that caring, how to be that selfless. The virtuous woman in our lives is there to help us to understand the kindness we need to show others, the care we have to give others. And that's not always going to be easy. Again, it goes back to the idea of selfishness, the idea or mentality of a me, me, me mindset. Instead of looking out for someone else, we focus more on what will help us. What's going to make my life most comfortable, where I don't have to do as much as I have to, where I can just get by? Today is more about being selfish and guarded than ever. The world we live in is all about looking out for ourselves, that we have to be careful because one misstep could ruin us, and so we shouldn't extend ourselves at all. And we can be discouraged from this caring and selfless attitude sometimes in a very blunt way. There are times when people will question you for being caring or selfless, asking why you would have such a, a care for someone that they deem unworthy of that care. There are times when people will push back against that selflessness because there has to be some hidden agenda behind that selflessness. Times where people will question you because you're willing to give up something that you have worked hard and long for and earned. And it just doesn't seem right that you'd give it to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it in their eyes. Today's world is all about me. But the virtuous woman shows us that it should always be about others. And that doesn't mean we discount the needs that we have as a human being. Or the needs we have for ourselves that need to be covered. But there's a mindset there that is looking out for others' needs as well as her own. The virtuous woman does this because she sees the needs around her. And again, blessings and praise are heaped upon her for what she does for others. And if there are ever moments of that discouragement from the caring, from being this caring, selfless example that she is, then we should be able to turn to the encouragement in this scripture and understand that this reward, this praise that we should receive is far greater than any trial we may receive here for being caring or selfless. We can all look to the women we know, our mothers, our wives, our sisters, and we can all see how kindly and selflessly they help others. And we can all learn from that example. 
because we can see the impact that they have in this world. When reading through this passage, I can't help but think of Bailey's mother. Bailey's mother was such a kind woman. And she was so caring and thoughtful that everything she did always had someone else in mind. And it was never about herself. And I learned so much from that example because I could see how many lives she touched personally. As children, we can all look to our mothers and see how selfless, their selflessness not only impacted us, but impacted those we grew up with. Those kids who would come to our house and have that safe place, that care in their homes. The virtuous woman applies to all generations. This kindness applies to all generations. And it breaks any type of archaic mold. There's no wrong in being selfless. There's no stereotype that says selflessness is, is wrong. And when it comes to the virtuous woman, we can see that the impact she has because of her selflessness is so much greater than anything else. A virtuous woman is caring and selfless, and in doing so, it touches many lives. But the final thing that we learn about the virtuous woman, and in fact, to me, the most important thing about the virtuous woman, is that a virtuous woman fears the Lord. Look with me in verse 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We can see from this passage that you can be a good, upstanding, moral person. But if you don't fear the Lord, if you don't live by that set of standards, there's something missing. The husband's praise in his own wife tells her that there have been many great women. But she surpasses them all. And there's one reason why. And it's because of that fear of the Lord. There's an eternal benefit from this fear. In verse 30, we see that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But praise comes from that fear of the Lord. In today's society, these words have never rung more true. Because of that focus on me, 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 it's all about how can I look better to others? How can I speak better and charm others to get them to like me? And it's less about how can I please God with all that I am doing. We seek out beauty and charm because it's attracting. It makes us happy. It gives us comfort. Charm deceives us, however, from truly knowing someone. It's a facade. It's an image that someone puts up. And in this word, beauty is vain. It's passing. It's fleeting. And there are a few things that all of us can learn from this passage. For men, if we're choosing our women just because of how they look or how they charm us, we have to understand that that's all going to fade away. There's going to be an end to that charm, an end to that, that physical beauty that sets them apart. And soon enough, when the charm wears off, when there's hard or struggling times coming through, or the outer beauty fades away because age has begun to set in, the characteristics that we have longed for in women, their physical attraction, we'll start to try and find in other women. We'll start to try and find them in someone who is younger, who is more pleasing to our eyes. And someone who no longer meets that expectation of outward appearance. And women, if, our, if your goal is to be as charming and beautiful as possible, it's simple. They make makeup and anything that can come for the outward appearance. You can work on charm. You can work on being funny or humorous. 
there's not that much work that goes into that compared to the work that goes into the virtuous woman. As those characteristics fade, what, what is there to cling to? As those things go away, what will be known of you if all you have done is focus on the outward appearance? The virtuous woman is praiseworthy and blessed because she fears the Lord. Not because of how she looks, not because of the money she brings in, but because she fears the Lord. And when you factor everything in in this passage, you can see that that fear of God commands everything she does. The fear of the Lord aids all of her aspects in life. Because she fears the Lord, she is caring and selfless towards all she meets. Because she fears the Lord, she is hardworking and diligent in all manners of life. Because she fears the Lord, she has confidence in how she carries herself. Look with me in verse 25, and, and probably my favorite verse of this entire passage. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She is confident in the work she has done. She laughs at what's to come. She's prepared. She's done her work. Her fear of the Lord makes her who she is. And the world today will tell us all that faith doesn't really set you apart. It tells you that faith is just hindering you from having fun or keeping you in these archaic molds set by the Bible. And it will do everything it can to stop men from looking for women who meet these expectations or from women from trying to set these expectations for themselves. But the virtuous woman spans all time. Her characteristics are teachable to all people, not just women, but men, when we're trying to find women like this, when we're trying to teach others or help others in their paths to be like this. Because the fear of the Lord is what sets the virtuous woman apart, it lifts her up to the praise of her family and the praise of God. It unties her from that burden of the world, and it sets her free in God's love and His care. In verse 10, we see that the virtuous woman is more precious than jewels. That should tell you how valuable it is to find someone like this or to be someone like this. There's value in fearing the Lord and allowing that to guide your life. Being the virtuous woman or finding that virtuous woman makes our lives better. It works today because it gives us an expectation of who we're to be, a, a set standard to meet. It gives us guidance in a guideless world when we are striving to either be like that virtuous woman or find a virtuous woman, then we're establishing for ourselves a manner of life that is pleasing to God and not a manner of life that is pleasing to the world around us. The virtuous woman is an expectation that everyone should be aiming for. It should give us guidelines to seek out, to encourage others for. And when there are women in our lives or if we are trying to be that woman... There should be praise unending for meeting those expectations, for going out of your way to be like this virtuous woman. The virtuous woman is known by her works. She is caring and selfless, and she fears the Lord. And if we can understand that those are three of the main takeaways from this passage, we can understand why this passage will always be useful why this passage will always have meaning to those who read it. 
because it is an encouragement to all who read it. I appreciate your attention at this time. We'll be dismissed for our classes.